morning again. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that we can be here to listen to your word. I pray that the words I speak will be from you, Lord, that um, our hearts and ears will be open to hear from you, that um, we'll listen to what you say, and um, we pray that you help us put it into practice in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. How far will you go? It's a question that I believe God wants us to, that he's asking of us today. But I also believe it's a question that Satan asks of us as well. And I think it's important that we know the difference. So, first of all, um, I'm going to have a look at Satan, not because I want us to focus on Satan, but because I want to be, us to be aware of what he does, the traps we can fall into, his schemes and the way he tries to deceive us. But as we're going through this, I'm going to constantly remind us where our focus should be, not on Satan, but on Jesus and following Jesus. So the first example of this I'm going to give is when Jesus came, the disciples were trying to run the lake, trying to cross over the lake, and the wind was against them, the waves were against them, they were stuck going nowhere. And I know I've been canoeing before when I was younger and had the wind against me, and it's amazing, just even in a canoe, how the wind can, if you get a strong wind, it can push you around, and I, we were paddling away and seemed to be getting absolutely nowhere. And this is where the disciples were, and then all of a sudden they saw Jesus walking on the water towards them, and they were scared. Um, and then Peter asked Jesus if he could come out on the water, if it really was him. And Jesus said, yes, come. And to start with, Peter, he was doing well. He was walking towards Jesus on the water. But suddenly he saw the strong wind and the waves and he became terrified and began to sink and cried out, save me, Lord. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. See, when our focus is elsewhere, instead of Jesus, we start to sink real fast. And even then, even when we are in trouble, when we cry out to Jesus, he still saves us. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, there's a story I can think of in my own life that I'll use as an illustration of what happened to me when I was probably in my late teens, I think it was. I think it was past school age. I was with my parents on a holiday in Victoria. I think it was Bairnsdale. And we were staying in a hotel there and went to sleep as normal. But it's interesting, I've found that the times that I pay attention to God the least is when I'm on holidays. When everything's going well and I'm enjoying myself and having a good time, my focus drifts elsewhere Um, onto myself. And But anyway, I don't know whether that had anything to do with this, but um, it was like I was awake at night, I could see the whole room, and then all of a sudden there was hands in my hands, it was grabbing on my back, and it was a demonic attack, and they were, it was like they were trying to take, take over me, and obviously it scared the, me a lot, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was a, the most desperate I've ever felt in my life. 
going through that situation and they wanted to draw me into the fight but I thought I can't fight them, I know I don't have the strength, I knew that much, I didn't have the strength to fight them and then I remembered you know, a few of the things that people told me, you know, be gone in the name of Jesus, call down the blood of Jesus and he'll set you free and nothing seemed to be working and then in desperation, Father help me and cried out like Peter did in this story, save me Lord and all of a sudden I was released and man I prayed real hard. I prayed real hard because it felt like God was nowhere. Lord, where are you? Come, help me. Help me, where are you? And I kept praying and praying and praying. And then slowly I felt the peace and the love of the Lord come over me. I've never been so thankful and glad about that as in that occasion. And um, it wasn't the first, the, the last time it happened to me and in different situations. And it's amazing how cunning the enemy can be to suck you in and um, I spoke to people in the church but I, it wasn't until I spoke to the Reverend Dr John Smith uh, who established the God Squad in Australia the outreach to rebel motorcycle gangs and many other organisations as well and I was lucky I was on a camp that he wasn't supposed to be leading but he stepped in for somebody else to help out and I spoke to him and he said do you trust in Jesus? And I said, yes, of course I do. And he said, do you believe in the promises of God? What's God promised you? Like, because in these situations, I felt like I was abandoned by God. And he said, but what, is, what do the promises of God say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So he said, You're, you know, when, this, when you take your eyes off God and, and onto the situation and the troubles that you're in, that's when you get pulled down further. The only way out, and the only way out of this life, is through Jesus. So, no matter what is going on around us, we need to keep our eyes and ears fixed on Jesus. The enemy is real, and our focus isn't to be on him, because if we are focusing on our problems, then we just get drawn down into the muck, into the mire, and end up dirtying ourselves when Jesus is the only one that can lead us out. And I just want to go through a few scriptures which again encourage where our focus should be. So in Luke 12.31 it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. doesn't matter what you're facing or where you are or what's happening. When we seek the kingdom of God above all else. He will give you everything you need. In James 4, 7 to 8 it says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. And then one of my favourites, 1 Peter 5, 7 to 9. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And also I think one of the things that's already been started to be affirmed in this service is if you're by yourself, you're weak, but together we're strong. If we're divided, we fall. You know, Jesus talked about a kingdom divided against itself will fall. 
but together when we're united in Christ and with one vision, with one purpose as a community of faith, we are so much stronger when we are there to help and encourage and build each other up. And because as a church, Satan only wants his, his battle as an out, out in the world, because those people are already on his side of the fence. His battle is against God's church. And um, I think one of them particularly, he wants to attack the leaders of the churches. Because if he strikes down the leader, the, the sheep will be scattered and they'll be easy prey for the wild animals. So Paul teaches in Ephesians 6.10 uh, through verse 18 to put on the flower of God. So I'll read you that whole passage because I think it's important. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then, often what's forgotten, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers. So if we just quickly run through that armour again, the first thing he tells us to put on is the build of truth. Remember Jesus said, I am the truth, the way and the life. Without knowing the truth about Jesus, we won't get very far and we'll be quickly deceived by the enemy's plans. Put on, in some version, puts the breastplate of righteousness. In this version, puts, says it's the body armour of God's righteousness. So it's not just about being right with God and each other, but it's living a right life that's honouring to God so that people will see how we're living in the world. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Other versions say, be ready to preach the good news at all times. Are we looking for opportunities? You know, I know Alicia has given us a couple of examples in recent weeks um, about how she's been looking for opportunities to speak to someone in Jesus. And it's not just blessing others' lives, it's blessing her life as well. She's seen God working and encouraging her and it's encouraging for us as a church to hear it as well. Um, and then it says to hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. What are we putting our faith in? Do we really believe that God can save us? 
know in the Roman times they mainly had wooden shields and I know it talks about the fiery we hold it up to put out the fiery darts of, or the fiery arrows of the, of the devil the Roman shields were made out of wood and had, they used to have leather on the outside which was then soaked in water so that as the arrows hit the dampness in the, in the leather would put out the, the fiery arrows and Jesus says said to the woman in the well I will give you water to everlasting life the Holy Spirit is often described as the water and if we drink of him we will never thirst again and put on the helmet of salvation do we believe that we are saved do we believe in what Jesus has done for us Sometimes when we doubt, the helmet starts shrinking or the, the shield gets smaller and becomes less effective. But when we see those things happening, that's again why we need each other to encourage and strengthen one another. When a, when a soldier's falling down and the others help him up again and encourage them back into the battle or maybe give them some time out, we all need times out to rest and recuperate as well. Um, and also wanted us to be aware of the enemy's tactics. One of his main tactics is to distort God's word. Right back in Genesis 3.1 he said to Eve, Did God really say? So he always wants to put doubt into our minds. And then in verse 4, you won't die. So sometimes we're, you know, you get a bit of a, a feeling that something's not right or you're heading in a wrong direction. And, you know, oh, don't worry about that, it's nothing. You won't die. And then in verse 5, he says to Eve, God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it talking about the fruit of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat and you'll be like God knowing both good and evil so he wants us to put ourselves in God's place to make decisions for ourselves in other words we don't need God you can be a God to yourself and make your own decisions in fact those that are real followers of Satan have their own their own words and their main commandment is do what thou wilt in other words do what you want because Satan is so confident that when you do what you want you won't be doing what God wants so again where is our focus what are we putting our faith in when we start, if we start focusing on this too much, we can easily become scared or fearful about what can happen to us. But that's not the intention either. We don't need to be scared. In 1 John 4, 4 it says, and we sang the song today, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan is already defeated by the cross, by Jesus on the cross. He cannot rightly accuse us of anything because we are not guilty of anything anymore. 
In Hebrews 9.12, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. It's done. It's complete. It's finished. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And more than that, Jesus conquered the grave and there is no longer death for those who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. I think we've spent enough time looking at what the enemy gets up to. As I said before, I think Jesus is asking us how far we'll go, how far we're prepared to go with Jesus. In Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8 it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus gave up the privileges of being God. In some versions it says he emptied himself to become a man and show us how to live with God and live with one another. And summed up in the two commandments, love God and love your neighbour. He came to earth knowing that he was going to die on a cross, that he was going to die for the sin of the world, yet he continued to surrender all, his will, his mind, his life, everything that he had to the Father. Are we prepared to surrender all? I know there's been uh, times in my life where I've said, yes, I'm going to follow you, Lord Jesus, I'm going to give it all, I'm going to be there with you. And the disciples had the very same attitude. In Peter said in Mark 10, 28, we've given up everything to follow you. And in Matthew 26, 33, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you, he said to Jesus. What did Jesus say? Before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. And that all happened on the same day. Like He couldn't even last a day. Um, and we know... He was terribly grieved by his own failure. But then, after Pentecost, the difference is incredible. They spoke the word of God boldly and fearlessly before all the authorities, before the people, and never backed down again. They went to their deaths because of their belief in Jesus Christ because they wouldn't deny Jesus so what changed them? so Paul gives us insight into this in 1 Corinthians 4.20 for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk it is living by God's power unless we live in God's power we may be able to talk the talk as the disciples did before Jesus died but we won't be able to walk the walk remember how a few weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday we talked about how God asked his disciples to remain in Jerusalem until they received power from on high 
so they could be his witnesses throughout the world. So there was a reason why they needed this power, to be his witnesses to the world. And we are commissioned to serve in God's power when we are baptised in the Holy Spirit. We are fully equipped with power to do whatever God asks of us. Power to overcome our fears, our doubts, our anxieties. Power to break down the strongholds and defeat the enemy. Power to love the unlovely. Power to love our enemies, as Pastor Ray Betcher talked about last week. But can we hear God's voice, what he wants from us? Uh, recently I heard, I think someone uh, sent me a, um, it was just a voice, it wasn't a video, about a guy that went, was asked um, to travel home with another guy who had a light plane and he was, um, as they were going off, you're thinking, oh yeah, it's alright, we're going alright, but the, then the pilot says, oh, I can see we're going to go in the clouds and I'll pass out. He thought, what? He thought, you know, is he joking? But as soon as, as soon as he entered the clouds, his eyes rolled back in his head and he passed out. And there was another guy with him as well, who was a friend of his. And he said, quick, get on the radio and cry out. And they got to um, a plane nearby, um, who then put them on to, they were travelling towards Anchorage uh, in Alaska, travelling from one of the islands, I think. And... The person in the tower said, you need to listen to my voice. You will not get home unless, unless you listen to my voice. And he said, when you're in a desperate situation like that, he said, you'd be amazed at the voices that are in your head that are calling and saying, do this, do that. And then he said, no, I've got to listen to the voice. And so he said, it's like that with God. If we don't listen to God's voice, there's so many voices in the world saying, go this way, go that way, do this, do that. We get caught up in all our busyness and everything that we're doing and lose. Where's oh God, where are you? We've lost God's voice. But this man did listen to God's voice and he listened to the voice of the aircraft controller who guided him home. He said there were storms around us and he said, don't look at the storms, just do what I tell you, just listen to my voice and I'll guide you home. And they made it, and he said, landed the aircraft about seven times. <laughs> and he said, just after they'd landed, the, uh, the pilot came to, and he said, later that night, he got a knock on the door about three o'clock in the morning, and the guy said, hello, are you Peter? He said, yes, I am. And he realised, that's the voice that guided me home. And the guy said to him, he said, Oh, thank you so much for listening to my voice. He said, this has happened times before and they wouldn't listen and they crashed and they burned. But he made, he made a home safely because you listened to my voice. And I remember that we need to spend time with God to learn to understand and listen to his voice. And I remember an example when I... Hadn't been long in a new job. I was worked for a picture framer for six years, but near the start of that, I did a traineeship, and um, I'd started answering the phones, and the phone call came through and answered, and it was quite clear that the person on the other end thought I should know who it was, and I thought, oh, I sort of recognise the voice, but I'm not really sure who it is. And he said, "It's your dad." I thought, does it sound like my dad? 
goes, it's your work, Dad. Oh, it's my boss. The penny finally dropped. <laughs> um, but I didn't know him well enough at that stage to recognise his voice. And, but if it had been my father, I certainly would have recognised his voice because I spoke to my father every day and he was a big influence on my life, a good influence. So how do we listen to God's voice? What ways does God speak to us? And I think for different people, God speaks to us in different ways. So I'll just go through a few here. Um, but this isn't certainly the, the complete list. <laughs> but as we were saying, the first thing is to spend some time listening. Practice listening. Often we come to God and we want this. Oh, help us with this. Do this. Blah, blah. It was quite clear in Jesus' ministry. He, even when the crowds were pressing in on him and you know, wanting more and more, he went away to a quiet place to spend time with, with his Father in heaven in prayer, devotion, quiet time, fasting, retreat, however you want to do it. Some people, particularly in those times, hear audible words from God. And um, you know, Dale was asking me during the week when we were talking about what I was going to speak about. He said, what's the title of the sermon? I said, oh, how far will, will you go? He said, oh, that's a terrible title. Well, that's just what, what I feel the Lord has told me to ask people. How far will you go with Jesus? So, that's what it still is. <laughs> Sometimes it's when we're reading scripture. When we're going, that it speaks to our situation or what we're going through and helps us uh, in whatever situation that we're in. Sometimes it's, you know, when we're spending time with our Christian friends or mentors or pastors that, um, you know, they'll, they'll give us a word or speak something into our life that really helps us in, in, our, in our lives. Um, sometimes, you know, someone will speak a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom and, you know, it's probably only about Six, between six, eight months ago when Pastor Hans Wortman was here and, and spoke a word into my life and said you need to unplug from some things in your life not that there's anything wrong with those things but God wants you to plug into other things which are going to be better for you he's got different plans for you and that was right at a time when I was thinking oh Lord you know, do you really want me to go and study and um, go to revival college and, and then that word came I think it was pretty clear. <laughs> and thank you, Jesus. Sometimes he speaks to people in dreams and visions. And sometimes we think, what on earth does that mean, Lord? <laughs> and that's where sometimes we need to seek wise counsel. Um, I know there was a, um, a previous church I was in. I had a dream about a girl. We were standing in the church courtyard, one of the girls in the church. And she was, she came up and said, oh no, I've lost my job. And she was very upset about it. What am I going to do? And, and I just said to her in the dream, look, the Lord has got his hand in your life. He's going to do, he's going to turn this around and he's going to make it into your benefit. He's going to bring you into something even better than what's happening, what you've been in. The, the Lord is in charge of this situation. 
And then I woke up and I, in the days when we used to have papers, look in the paper and I thought, oh, that's, there was an article in the paper about where this girl was working. Um, I don't know, they're, gonna, they're sacking heaps of people. And then that very day, in the, she came up to me, came up into our group in the courtyard and it was just like in a dream. She said those words of, oh no, I've lost my job and she was quite upset. And then to everyone's surprise, I spoke that word and I was so confident because I'd seen myself do it before in the dream. And it was amazing what God then did for her. She applied for three or four other jobs and and she said, because you'd given me that word, I was so confident that God was leading me into something better. And she said, like I was going to interviews and even the people on the panel were interviewing, were answering my questions and saying how good I was for the job. And she got offered all the other jobs that she applied for. And then she was so excited about it, she went back and told her boss where she was getting sacked from. And that must have pricked something inside of them because they offered her an even better job again, back where she'd been sacked from. <laughs> uh, so it was a wonderful thing particularly for her of seeing how God can work in our life, her life and believing in the word that God has spoken into her life um, and everyone was greatly encouraged but I know in my personal life sometimes I don't get a clear it, it's not a clear word or a a, a clear vision or sometimes it's just a feeling of oh, it just feels so right or I really feel at peace when I'm praying about this when, and other people when I talk about it with other people what I'm thinking of doing that we all feel the rightness or the, the peace in this but sometimes it's the opposite oh no I feel trouble about that direction that doesn't feel right so there's many ways and I encourage you again to not do it, try and do it all on your own. But we try and work together for the benefit of all. So in conclusion, how far will you go with Jesus? Have you got your eyes and ears focused on Jesus? Can you hear his voice? Are you prepared to give up everything to follow Jesus wherever he may lead you? Are you living in the Spirit's power? Remember, we're all here to help each other. So let's go on this journey together, building up God's church. Thank you.